Podcasts from the Cat. Voices and sounds from Crew and Nantwich. You're listening to Business Brunch, and on today's show we're talking to the general manager of an established engineering company that's been trading for 33 years and now supplies precision engineering to some of the UK's most notable manufacturers. In the hot seat today, we're pleased to welcome Steve Warren of Alsager Precision Limited. Steve, welcome to Business Brunch. Good morning, Des. Thank you for having me on the show. Uh, Steve, you've had some interesting jobs in the aerospace uh, and defence sectors, so uh, why not fill in the gaps and tell us about your career in more detail? I will, Des. Uh, I think first and foremost, it's it's important to point out that I'm an engineer at heart. Uh, have been since a very young age, when I was a teenager, pulling motorcycle engines apart and rebuilding them. So it was a natural progression for me to go on to do uh, mechanical engineering at Brunel University in West London. Uh, from there, I spent some time at Ford in Dagenham. That was my first introduction to, I guess, real-world engineering. And from there, I went on to work at Rolls-Royce Diesels in Shrewsbury in Shropshire working on various aspects of engine design for commercial and uh, and military engines. From there I moved up to Manchester to work at Royal Ordnance, which uh, latterly became part of BAE Systems. And from there I went to a com- company called Ferranti, Ferranti Instrumentation Limited, in North Manchester. And that really was the beginning of my career with that large international PLC, which lasted 27 years. Uh, I, I was there as an engineer, uh, moved into sales, marketing, and latterly business development, where I became business development director. By this time, I'd moved up to uh, what became known as Ferranti Technologies Limited in Oldham, specialising in aerospace and defence products. And that's where eventually I became MD, and I was MD there for the last five years of my period at uh, Ferranti. But after that period of time, 27 years, I felt it was time to move on and do something different. So Ferranti, quite a well-known company. Tell us a little bit more about what they were doing. Well, our part, uh, Ferranti Technologies, we were very much into uh, products for aircraft, that's military aircraft primarily, uh, maritime applications, armoured vehicles, that kind of thing, very much majoring on power and control solutions, command and control, uh, vision systems, that kind of thing, a really wide range of products high-end, and we were serving the likes of BA Systems, Tallis, Augusta Westland, and so on. So really good grounding in regard to um, what you were doing as an individual and where your career was heading. Very much so. It gave me a rounded appreciation of, uh, of running a, a medium-sized business. The, the part I was running was uh, just under 200 people, but nonetheless reporting into a cor- corporate structure and uh, all that that entails. And you, you, you joined uh, Alsager Precision in January this year, um, and I understand the managing director, Peter Henshaw, uh, founded the company in his garage 33 years ago. So um, I know that uh, you're, you have had to familiarise yourself, uh, Steve, with some of these uh, facts, but give us a potted history of the company um, at, from from its inception to uh, to today. Yes, indeed. Uh, as you say, it was founded 33 years ago by Peter Henschel, who uh, left BA Systems, who was working for at the time, at uh, Radway Green, local to here, and set up to do his own thing, literally in his garage, uh, making precision parts for... Um, for people, for individuals and small companies, gradually grew the business um, to to form a, a real company based in uh, Alsager, as it happens, that's where the name comes from, uh, operating from a small unit. And he did that for a number of years successfully before 
1992, adding a fabrication side to the business, he took on some additional skilled men and the equipment necessary to start doing fabrication as well as the, uh, the precision machining, the, the turning and, and milling activity. So just give us a, a little bit of an idea of where, when you say fabrication, you're meaning panels and... Indeed, this f fabrication is more about uh, forming and bending, uh, welding metals rather than machining them from, uh, from solid billets. Okay, so uh, would you like to bring us up to date with both companies? Indeed. So the two companies, uh, they operated separately for a while uh, before Peter brought them together in 2004 um, into what is now known as uh, Alsager Precision Engineering. And along the way, the company was moved from, uh, from its home in Alsager to Crewe down on Wisterston Road on the business centre there. And that now is what we're operating, uh, Alsager Precision Limited, with two sides to the business, fabrication and uh, what we call engineering, which is the machining, precision machining side of the business. Over that period, how has Peter developed the, uh, the products that he's, he's now selling? I think it's important to bear in mind we're not selling our own products, we are making what our customers want. Yeah. And uh, our customers range from the very large companies such as Bentley and Arriva through to much smaller uh, privately owned enterprises and we are always selling uh, products to them that they want. We're making to their drawings or very often they, they may come along with uh, sketches of what they'd like to see and we'll, we'll help them to, uh, to draw out and, and manufacture and develop those products. So as a smaller company, do you find yourself in a position where sometimes you have to refuse work because the job's too big? Occasionally so, um, that's true, or in, if there are aspects of the work that we're not able to undertake. I think one of the worst things to do is to over-promise and under-deliver, yeah, and yeah. We, we, we endeavour to do the, the opposite to that. Okay, so you've moved positions to a smaller company. Tell us what made it an attractive career move for you. Well, as I said before, I spent many years, 27 years at Ferranti, which uh, when I joined was an international PLC. Uh, toward the end uh, of my time there, it was uh, the part I worked for was a privately owned uh, smaller part of Ferranti, but nonetheless reporting into, uh, into boards of directors. And I think what Alsager Precision offered was the chance to bring a lot of the skills that I learned over a, a corporate career to bear on a, a much smaller entity. We, we have 25 people working at Alsager Precision. And a lot of the skills I've learned over the years are directly relevant to making a, a small company like that prosper and grow. And also, on a day-to-day -day basis, I can see the fruits of my efforts and the changes I put in, in place with the team. We can see the immediate impact rather than with a bigger corporation. Sometimes it can take longer to, uh, to, yeah, to benefit from that. It tends to be the difference so, between a, a tanker and a speedboat. Exactly. And as you, yeah. can, as you can see, I'm a... I'm in my late 50s now, and I wanted to spend the latter part of my working life uh, in a different environment. And I'm, I'm back to my roots. I'm back to uh, metalwork, whether machined or fabricated, and uh, getting my hands dirty, which I love. And it's a challenge, I suppose, isn't it? Indeed. It's a new challenge. Indeed. You're listening to Business Brunch, and we're talking to Steve Warren from Alsager Precision Limited. Steve, Alsager Precision um, has gained several accreditations along the, ro the road and these milestones, some of which are required by the larger companies, are very important to the company. T tell us about some of the accreditations that the firms have gained. Yes, of course. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, the company was formed in 1986 and they operated for, for some years without any accreditations at all, which obviously companies can do. But later on in uh, 1993... 
Peter Henschel, the MD, saw fit to uh, put in place a, a quality management system accredited to ISO 9001, which a lot of companies require, a lot of customers of ours require, of their subcontractors. So I think that was uh, insightful to, to put that in place. And it's not without its, um, its, its work and commitment that you have to, to put in to achieve that. But perhaps a, a more substantial milestone was when... Peter decided to go after the ISO TS 16949 and that was in April 2013 and that's a, an automotive related accreditation difficult to obtain required a lot of work to to put in place in order to get that and the team had to took a view at the time that they needed to put in place a new software package to enable them to to get that accreditation so what does it actually mean to to the firm once you've achieved that well, that meant that we could go after work for automotive companies. Uh, we were already working for Bentley at the time, but if you're getting, going to get into production work for Bentley, then you do need that accreditation. And I should have mentioned that ISO TS 16949 transformed into IATF 16949 in uh, 2016. And we went after that uh, accreditation as well, got that in June of last year successfully and what it means is we can go after production work for companies supplying into uh, the automotive industry it's a requirement and give us some of the criteria that surround uh, the accreditation a lot of this is re related to um, proving that you've made the right part out of the right material and you've inspected it using the right equipment so it's all about keeping flawless records from material coming into the factory, the, the processes we're using for manufacturing the parts, through to the uh, dispatch of the pro product to the customer. And it took a long time to get this accreditation. Presumably you have to, to review it annually, do you, or do you review it we, more often? We're subject to, well, as a management team, we're reviewing our performance um, in, in line with the accreditation on an on a ongoing basis, certainly monthly. But on an annual basis, we get a surveillance audit from the uh, from our Intertech auditors, and that's passed down the line to uh, to your customers. Do they want to see this? Or see the see the output from that? Yeah. No, they want to see that we've still got the accreditation, and in order to maintain the accreditation, we have to satisfy the auditor that we are operating within the constraints of it. Okay, and that sits in your uh, annual reports. Indeed, and um, whenever we, obviously you, you do get picked up for minor non-conformances when you, you have a surveillance audit, and it's our responsibility as a management team to, to put in place actions to, um, to uh, nullify those non-conformances. Okay, so moving on, uh, you've been hired to move the business on to the next level, and you've decided that means doubling its size over the next three years. Indeed, it's not. That's not a target. It's that, a uh, mighty task. <laughs> indeed, it's not a target that Peter's given me, but it's a challenge I've taken upon myself. From Peter's perspective, he's uh, wanting to take a step back from the business and spend more time with his family, which is why he brought me in at the beginning of this year. Uh, and I've said to myself, look, given where we are and the the work we've done in the past that Peter's put in place, the bedrock of the the business, there's no reason why with uh, some uh, some new approaches we can't double the size of the business over the next three years and that's that's what we're planning to do so give us an overview of what this entails of what you're putting together in order to make it happen i think from my perspective key is uh really putting my foot on the gas in it from a business development perspective uh, that's everything from sales marketing and all that that uh, involves 
Clearly underpinning that, there'll be work on a more operational work, looking at making the business more capable, making it more profitable and so on, investing in new machinery and the like. But my background, as well as general management, is in business development, sales, marketing. And to be fair, there's not been a huge amount of that done in, the, in recent years. I think a lot of it's been uh, growth through word of mouth and, and the like. Yeah. So I'm getting out there myself. I've been meeting all of our existing customers, uh, those that are current, those that have lapsed as well, perhaps, that we haven't dealt with for a few years for whatever reason. I'm also in the process of taking on a, uh, a sales representative that will work with us, uh, looking at uh, what I call new, new business, i.e. new business from, from new customers. And I think between us, we can, we can really drive that forward and uh, build the order book. That's key to doubling the size of the business, is building the order book. Yeah. So it's interesting that Peter probably was working in the business. He was indeed, yeah. Whereas you, you'll you be seeing the business from quite a different perspective. I'll be sp spending my time within the business, operationally, and outside the business uh, in a business development sense, on an equal basis. Yeah, So, but you're working on the business, um, so you've got, you've got a greater vision. Uh, I would say so. That's not, yeah. to, uh, that's not to denigrate Peter's input over the years, but I think I've... I've that's the beauty of a new pair of eyes coming in. Yeah. Um, Peter's been with the business for such a long time that you tend sometimes, you know, not to be able to see the wood for the trees and new ideas are more difficult to implement and so on. Whereas coming in with a fresh pair of eyes, I can, I can do that. Yeah, I wasn't denigrating Peter. I understand that most uh, small businesses require you to work in the business. Indeed. Um, and, but sometimes you do have to step back to see the bigger picture. Yes. I think one of the other things I'm looking to do... Uh, as we, as we move forward, in the same way as we put in the IETF accreditation, is to look at AS9100, which is a, an aerospace accreditation. It's something that I'm familiar with, my, familiar with uh, through my past life at Ferranti. And if we can put that accreditation in, it will enable us to go after aerospace-related manufacturing work as well, which uh, would really be a shot in the arm for the business. And it, it can yeah. draw upon my business development experience as well uh, from previous so broadening the scope as well. Indeed. You're listening to Business Brunch here at the CAT, and today we're talking to Steve Warren from Alsager Precision. Steve, dependable, enthusiastic and precise are just a few of the adjectives uh, used to describe Alsager Precision. Uh, and it's clear that the business is customer-focused and that you set yourself very high standards. Uh, clearly, if you consistently deliver high-quality products and outstanding customer service, uh, you deserve all of the referrals you can muster. So how difficult is it to continually achieve these high standards? Well, first off, those words you've used there, Des, are, are indeed words that our customers say about us, so there must be some, uh, some truth behind those. And, and you're right that we can't afford to perform well on just the, the occasional order or indeed the first orders. If it's a new customer, everybody steps up to the mark when it's a new customer comes on board and, and, and is keen to impress. But you've got to maintain that um, time in, time out, uh, order after order. And the way we do it, and it's something that I've instigated since, since I arrived there, is to, uh, to really review carefully our, our KPIs, our delivery and quality KPIs, into our customers and, of course, from our suppliers into us as well. Because if there are if things start to go wrong, if de delivery performance starts to, to fall away, then if you're reviewing those on a monthly basis, you can you can see any trends developing and you can put a plan in place to to uh, remedy that. And that's certainly something we're focusing on on doing. 
So, obviously, everybody needs to be on board with regard to customer service. And as you say, you, you're using KPIs to, to measure aspects of customer service. But how do, you, how do you ensure it happens on a day-to-day basis? I think that's, a, that's all about having the right team around you. And I was fortunate that when I joined Alsager Precision, there was already a good team there running the, uh, running the business. Uh, we have two sections, as we mentioned earlier in the, in the show, the fabrication side of the business and the machining side. And those are run by two separate individuals, very capable. They understand the business. They understand the customers uh, and the requirements and, and so on and so forth. So working with those guys uh, on a day-to-day basis, walking the floor, as I do when I'm not out uh, developing business or meeting customers, I'm visible on the shop floor, understanding what jobs are going through, what the time pressures are on those and so on and so forth. And pushing pushing hard and and as a result of that pushing we achieved our highest ever monthly output just a couple of months ago since the business was formed well that's a hell of an achievement in such a short space of time so presumably the staff are all aware of the accreditations then that the the company has absolutely yes and what they need to do to ensure that they meet the need yes they, they are yes so if you've got new staff coming on board, how long does it take them to, to get into that mindset? Since I arrived, we've only taken on uh, one person so far, but there will be, will be more uh, coming through. I think if you induct people the right way and you, you treat them the right way from day, day one, uh, I, I sit with all new starters. Well, I've sat with the one so far that we've taken on and will be sitting with all of them and making sure they're aware of what our company ethos is, what we're trying to achieve. I think a lot of it's about communication and empowerment. So that takes us on to my next, next question, which is happy staff generally are productive staff. So tell us how you continue to maintain a cohesive and motivated team. Well, first off, again, I think uh, I was fortunate that when I joined the company, they, they were a happy staff. They're, they're happy, they're capable, they're motivated and uh, you know, self-sustaining in many ways. But what I have put in place, as I mentioned earlier, is the, the, the regular management team meetings. So on a monthly basis, I'm sitting with the team. Uh, we're reviewing our, our um, performance. It's all about communication, I think. If, you, if the yeah. workforce from management right the way down to every last person understands the direction in which the company is trying to travel, what we're trying to achieve, and how we're doing it against our plans. A lot of smaller businesses that I've come across uh, over the years can tend to be a bit closed in that regard. The owners don't share information necessarily. They don't share, you know, what are the sales, what's the profit looking like, and so on and so forth. And people are operating in a little bit of a vacuum. It's, it's all about just make sure you get that one part out. What I'm trying to do is to explain to the guys the impact of everything they do, whether it's positive or negative. You know, if you, if you break a part or you, you, you damage a machine in some way, which costs thousands of pounds to repair, what's the impact of that on the business, on this month's profit? And if people understand better their part in the, the bigger picture, I think they, they're more likely to step up and perform. And do you think that reflects most businesses in the UK? Or is, is that one of the reasons why businesses fail, because of this lack of communication? Over the years, I've seen a lot of smaller companies, and I think it is, yeah. I, I think it is. I know, I know some companies where the, the employees know very, very little about the, the business. And in terms of its performance, what it's trying to achieve, the business plans, and so on and so forth. And those are the ones which I think struggle the hardest with getting employees full buy-in and motivation and so on and so forth. So there you go, sound philosophy. Steve, keeping abreast of changes in technology can be expensive if you do and costly if you don't. So 
Tell us how you square that circle and maximise the benefits of new technology. It's something we're keen to do at our Sage of Precision is uh, grow the capability moving forward and uh, already having been there just six months we've invested in uh, some new equipment which I'll come into in, in a moment but I think at the end of the day it's all about making sure you keep abreast of technology but doing the maths behind it to make sure that that, uh, that new technology will pay its way. It's no point in spending money bringing new capability into the business if you're only going to be using it for 10% of the time. You may as well subcontract that new um, that piece of work. But bearing that in mind, just a couple of months ago, we invested nearly £25,000 in a new coordinate measuring machine, which enables us to measure uh, the accuracy that we've manufactured parts to very quickly and repeatedly. And it's, uh, it's, it's been driven by the needs of a small number of our customers demanding very, very high accuracy, and we're, we're making parts um, for, for example, electric motors that go into cars. And our particular customer has, has just done a deal with Ferrari for their new uh, hybrid car, which will be coming out uh, in the future. So there's an investment where we're using it daily, every day, and that asset is really being uh, sweated, as I say. We've put in place a new un ultrasonic cleaning system as well, which makes the products that we're shipping to our customers cleaner um, than, they, than they ever would have been. Moving forward, we're looking at a new lathe. Now, something like that would be over £100,000, maybe £150,000 for a new fully uh, automated, all singing, all dancing lathe. Now, that is a big investment, and it has to be used um, to its maximum effect. Also looking to potentially replace our CO2 laser cutting machine. Now, this is a machine we use for uh, cutting out shapes that we, we use in our fabrication area before we bend them and weld them and so on. Now, the latest technology, fibre lasers, um, is moving on a pace. They're, they're quicker, they're lower cost to maintain, and uh, almost as capable in many ways as the CO2. So we're looking at uh, making such an investment over the next months. And again, that's tens of thousands of pounds. So you're benefiting hugely from automation? Yes, but at the end of the day, it still needs people to, to program the machines and run the machines effectively. What it may mean is that you can have one guy running two or three machines yeah. um, rather than just one, one man per machine, which makes us more efficient, more profitable, and so on. So obviously all these things are costed into the budget. Indeed. And, and you're measuring output, as you say, on a monthly basis. Yes, yeah, yeah, so you're keeping on top of it. And looking forward beyond that, a lot of uh, companies are looking forward towards uh, 3D printing. So that can be used in pro prototyping, rapid prototyping, additive manufacturing, so that you can create um, lighter, more complex parts that are perhaps too difficult to manufacture using traditional methods. So that's not quite on our radar yet, but in time it will, it will come. When you say 3D printing, it's made from a composite, isn't it? Well, uh, that's how it all started, but nowadays you can 3D print or additive manufacture all sorts of things in all sorts of metals. So right. things have moved on. So you can virtually print parts to order? Indeed, yeah. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Steve, you're already working with uh, local schools, encouraging youngsters to embrace a career in engineering. Obviously, you, you need succession in the business you're always going to need more engineers so share with us how you intend to build on this well 
historically the company's been very good at taking on apprentices and we our retention of apprentices apprentices is fantastic we've got uh, probably around half of our maybe just under half of our shop floor employees have come through the apprentice route with Alsager precision so that's that's great to see a couple of years we've we've not done so much uh, the last couple of years so I've reinstigated that and we have a new apprentice on our fabrication side of the business starting uh, in August this year and I'll be looking to increase that year on year as the business grows. If I achieve this doubling of uh, sales in, in three years, as I'm saying, that's going to require a lot of shop floor people. So um, the plan there would be to take on not just one but a couple of apprentices per year, uh, perhaps one in each of the, in each of the skill areas to, to grow the business going forward. We may also in time look at uh, commercial apprentices as well. And with the firm having these accreditations, do they realise the fact that they're going to be the creme de la creme of engineers? I think they do. And uh, when we have these young lads in, I had the chap who started with us in August, I had him in with his parents just a, a few days ago, actually. And he is so excited at uh, joining joining the business. And uh, his, his father is, is, is an engineer, delighted to see his son going into engineering. And it's exactly the sort of thing that I, you know, when I was a young lad, uh, love to love to see. Yeah, no, it's really nice that uh, local firm is um, ensuring we've got a our fair share of enge- engineers coming through the system. But you're giving young people a chance. Absolutely, and they're they're for all the bad press that youngsters get these days. I've had two people in uh, these recent weeks. One of which is the apprentice we're starting, and another one is coming on a work experience in October. He came in with his parents as well to see what uh, what we'd be doing with him. Both lovely lads, very, very bright, very capable, very keen, and looking forward to, uh, hopefully, a long career in engineering. So uh, if you're looking for a career in engineering, keep an eye on Alsager Precision. Absolutely. OK, Steve, before we finish, just tell our listeners where they can find more information about Alsager Precision Limited. Well, we have a website uh, that they can go to. They'll find that at uh, www.alsagerprecision.co.uk or they can give us a call on 01270 and ask for me, Steve Warren. Steve, thanks very much for coming into The Cat today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Go to listen.thisisthecat.com for more podcasts and more ways to listen.